Welcome to the Revolution Church of New York City podcast. Before we begin, we'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. Unlike most ministries, Revolution Church of New York City is not backed by grants from larger institutions. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionnyc.com donate. You can also read more by clicking the donate section on our website to learn more. Thanks for listening. Jay Baker, it's my turn. <laughs> and starting today, I am doing my first series on the book of Galatians. Um, and uh, I just figured um, it was time. And partly because um, I feel like there's been a lot happening um, this summer for me. And um, being away... Being, being away um, really, and, and not having church last Sunday really feels like it does feel like how, how many people here grew up in the church? And they, okay, most of you, yeah, and had you know, homecoming Sunday. Um, for homecoming Sunday, we always released balloons into the was that a thing? Did, did other people do that, or was that just a weird no? Okay, well, we would we for some reason. We would, the Sunday school for homecoming, like this Sunday would be homecoming Sunday. And we would tie uh, Bible verses onto, onto balloons and then release them. So I guess we could like kill a bird and then turn someone to, you know, to Christ. I guess that was <laughs> to, to kill Lutheran. Okay, yeah, so, so it's a Lutheran tradition. It's a very odd Lutheran tradition. Yeah, Martin Luther wrote about it way back. And on this day, on Homecoming Sunday, you shall release balloons. <laughs> was, uh, did, did I just make him sound like a member of Hogan, Hogan's Heroes? <laughs> um, so, and I kind of think that, so on this Homecoming Sunday, wow, I don't even want to know what that noise was. Somebody's got to get rid of some evidence, I guess. <laughs> Just put it in the backyard of Pete's. Nobody will ever see it. Um, so on this homecoming Sunday, I really felt like returning to something simple, returning to something. Um, and if we are a community of grace and provocation, um, Galatians is our book. Um, Galatians is our letter. Um, and I don't know how long this is going to take me. One time, Jay did a series on six chapters. It's not very long. And I think Jay, how long was Jay's series one? It was like 14 weeks. Um, he spent a lot. Um, I'm going to try to get through through it um, all today. No, no, no. I'm going to just do chapter one. And uh, next time I preach, I'll do chapter two, et cetera, et cetera. So a couple things before we dig into it. Um, one is when we read any of the letters, you have to keep in mind that we're really reading somebody's mail. Um, and it's really important. I think that we lose sight of that really quickly. And it's something that I want to remind everybody that it really is like you're reading somebody's mail, somebody else's mail. And that it was never intended to be scripture. 
it was a letter written to a community of friends that, in this case, Paul had an urgent concern with. Um, and so I think we, we need to read it with that sense. Um, the other thing is an introduction. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but um, there's a lot of talk about who the Galatians were. When you look at Bible commentaries, they're like, well, and there's a theory called the Northern Galatians and the Southern Galatians, um, and that, that maybe the Northern that was a specific group that was more Gentile, and then the, the Southern was a combination of sun, Gentiles um, and Ju- Judaizers who felt, if, if little background, um, the Judaizers were people that felt like you needed to keep the law. To, to continue to be a Christian. Paul makes the case in Galatians or to this letter that you don't need to do that, that, every, that, that we're free from this law. Um, so for me, it's not really important if it's southern Galatia or northern Galatia. I don't really care. It, it's not important to me. What is important to me is that I think that we can read this whole letter rather than Paul's letter to the Galatians. I think we can read it as Paul's letter to the American church um, and to the church and to America as a whole. And when we're reading it, I think we can really um, read it with that in mind. So let's start right at the beginning. It's been a while since I've done a chapter verse sermon. Um, and uh, so we'll go right. If you've got your, if you got your Bibles out, and I see so many people do, or your or your Kindles, uh, Kindle, that's a good one, or your iPhones, um, you know, so so that you believe this is the Word of God. <laughs> As I hold up my iPad, so Galatians chapter one, verse one, Paul, an apostle, sent neither by human commission nor from human authorities. But through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the members of God's family who are with me. Okay, we'll just start right there. Um, a lot of times people don't spend too much time with these introductions, but I think they're very important. One, am I wrong or is Paul speaking about himself in the third person? <laughs> Which is kind of an asshole move to do. You know, you know the people, right, that say, Vince Anderson doesn't like that very much. Well, Reverend Vince has a big problem with what you're doing right now. Or what's the Seinfeld episode where the there's a Seinfeld episode where somebody talks in the third person. They're talking about, I'm working, you know, Randy is working out. Randy is getting buff, you know. So I kind of, right off the bat when I read that, I'm I'm completely turned off. I think this guy's a little bit of a jerk. Um, and then he says, sent neither by human commission nor from human authorities, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the members of God's family who are with me. Now this is interesting because right away, right away, he addresses his authority right away. Um, and so often... In the church, this is not what you hear. So often in the church, when someone's introducing themselves or saying, you know, I'm so-and-so, um, you know, perhaps you know me. Like, I mean, I'm guilty of it. 
when when I'm in church circles, and I say, oh, oh, they're like, oh, what? Where's your church? And I say, oh, well, it's Revolution in Brooklyn. Um, and uh, you know, I'm the co-pastor with Jay Baker, the son of Jim and Tammy Faye Baker. Like right away, like somehow that gives me some sense of uh, legitimacy. I I don't know why my mind thinks that way because probably that give, destroys all credibility. Um, but but you know we do this a lot, and 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 other times you can hear other churches, you know, especially in kind of um, a lot of different traditions. Well, Bishop so and so and Bishop so and so sent me here, and there's a lot of this kind of thing. Here, Paul says. I was sent neither by human commission nor from human authorities. Right away, he says, I'm going to cut through the BS and say, yeah, question? Yeah. Oh, for sure. No, there's definitely a possibility that this was an introduction that was added. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, the, the question was like, do, do people add this? I'm, what I'm going to deal with what we have, you know, like historical content. We could spend a lot of time studying to see, well, was this added? Was this not added? And yeah, maybe, maybe not. Um, but it, it's definitely in this whole chapter spends a lot of time on the issue of authority. Um, so whether it was added or not, I still think that it's important in the discussion. Um, it certainly could have been an add-on for sure, definitely. I mean, half the letter could have been an add-on. Um, but for me, this is the tradition that we've been given. So we'll deal with this because this is what Christians, at least for the last, you know, in America have been dealing with. So we'll deal with that. Um, go ahead. Like, I'm, I'm not sure if this, if this little amendum, I would, I would bet not. Um, maybe the Paul and Apostle part. Was an amendum. Um, I think after that, um, I'll get into it in a minute. But so from there, then, um, yeah, he says, neither by human commission nor from human authorities, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. So right away, he's saying, listen, I don't come through this tradition, <laughs> you know, like I'm a different kind of apostle. I mean, the word apostle means one who is sent. And there was certainly a different kind of apostles. And for me, this is a really powerful verse because I have a very similar story. Um, my personal story um, on how, and people call me the Reverend Vince, um, and I am ordained, but through revolution. Um, and so it's an independent ordination. Um, and I just want to take a minute. I don't know if I've ever shared this particular part of my personal narrative. Um, but I did go to seminary. Um, I went to Union Theological Seminary. Um, there's a graduate right here. Um, and uh, um, this was back in – I'm really going to date myself here. This was in 94. 1994 for those that don't <laughs> um, And uh, – and it was a really intense period of my life. Um, I, I went to Union and was struck by two things happened to me. One, I was really struck by the just the heaviness of 
of the place. Um, and I, I love the school, and I think it's an amazing place. Um, and the second thing was, and it was stuff that was really happening to me personally, the second thing was that an artist side was being born in me. Um, and I really struggled, um, really struggled through all of it. And long story short, um, some crazy, crazy things happened, and and I left to ca- back to California for um, Christmas break, and I came back early. Um, and I, you know, those times that you feel like something's wrong, but you just don't know what it is. Those times in your life that you have that feeling in your gut, like you're like something's not right. Um, and my vision to go in a seminary was I want my vision when I left for seminary was to have a church that my friends could go to because I couldn't invite them to mine, the one that I was currently going to. I wanted a church where my artist friends felt welcome, where my gay friends felt welcome, where where my really socially awkward friends felt wel- welcomed. I wanted that church. That was my vision. So I went to seminary to do it. And then something was not right in my soul. Something just didn't feel right. And I remember vividly, I so want, I so, I felt so called to the ministry. But there was something not right. You know, this wasn't right. And on Epiphany Sunday, and I'm not kidding you, on Epiphany Sunday, I went to Riverside Church, um, which I hadn't been to. It's right across the street from Union. And James Forbes was preaching. And he was preaching on, his sermon title was, The Nature and Beauty of Christian Vocation. And it was one of those sermons that I thought he was looking right at me and speaking right at me, and he knew exactly what I was going through. And all those unsolved questions that I didn't know what was going on, he was addressing everyone, and I was like, how the hell do you know what you're, I'm feeling? And he was saying that Christian vocation, that, that everyone has a call, and the call is wide open, and it's a lot larger than just a definition, a narrow definition of what that is. And it opened me up to a whole world of possibility that I can receive the call, and maybe right now this seminary track, being here and going through and being ordained Lutheran and all this stuff wasn't what God was calling me to do. And I climbed the bell tower, which you no longer can do, I, I hear. But now you, I climbed the bell tower, and I walked around it several times, just walked around and walked around. And I haven't claimed many times in my life to have heard the voice of God. Um, you know, like, but what, what do they say that, you know, if... I forget what it is. I mean, because, you know, claiming that you hear the voice of God really puts you in that crazy category. Um, but that time I did feel it or heard whatever. And I heard God say, get out of here. I've got bigger plans for you. I've got something different. I've got a different apostleship for you. I've got, I'm still calling you. And I left. Um and I was pissed off. I was from California. I came 2,752 miles or what it is. I sold everything I had 
you, to go to seminary. I was in seminary, and I didn't even think about it. The, the, the call to leave seminary was so strong that I didn't even think about it. The next day, it was Sunday, and the next day I wrote papers, handed them in, and said, I'm out. I'm done. I didn't, there was no discernment process. There was no calling my mom. There was no talking to anyone. I felt like God said, you need to leave and you need to leave right now. So I did it. I signed my papers. And then they told me, well, I'm sorry to see you go. Um, you've got two weeks to evacuate university housing. You know, so I was stuck. The way things work, I came down to the union student union the next day and there was an ad that said uh, um, church musician wanted housing provided and it was one of those things that kind of said you know, God was like <laughs> you know and so I did that and then to make money I started playing gospel music in bars which I still do today um, and that's when I remember one day I was playing a club and I'd, I was playing a piano, you know, just me and a piano, and I would sing gospel songs because that's all I knew. I've been a church musician since I was 12. And I sang gospel songs in bars because that's where I could make a little money. And uh, I remember coming up Avenue B, and in New York, you know, well, Pete's has it, the chalkboard marquee. And one day I walked up and it said on it, Reverend Vince Anderson, tonight. Um, and that stuck. And then pretty soon, this community that would come every Monday night to hear me play started asking me if I would baptize their kids, bury their dead, and marry them. And it became very clear to me, and this was years, this was a few years after, I was like, wow, I really got angry at God, and then this is the promise. This is the fulfillment. And um, then revolution and Jay came into my life and it even became more and more and the blessings kept coming. And so I understand what Paul's saying here that neither by human commission nor human authorities and that I was ordained by a, bo- by a body. I was really, I felt like I was ordained by the people that I was called to minister to. Um, and you say, well, isn't that human authority? No, because it's not a power structure. It's coming from the bottom up rather than the top down. I don't think that Christ works in a trickle-down way. I just don't think that that is gospel. I think God works the other way around. God works like God works like the planet God created. <laughs> Things grow not from above but from below. Things grow from the earth and things grow organically. And so I claimed my apostleship, not from human authority, but through this Christ that I found, the divine that I found and the people that I wanted to minister to. They came to me and ordained me, and I felt that's a Holy Spirit movement. And Paul, I think, is exactly doing the same thing here. This is a Holy Spirit movement for Paul. So, that's the first two verses. (laughs) And then he says, to the churches of Galatia, 
Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to set us free from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. It's almost as if Paul realized that he better at least sweeten the pot a little bit here. Um, You know, say, well, hey, how's everything? (laughs) You know, we're doing okay, aren't we? Because the next, the very next verse, verse 6 is, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Boom. He doesn't waste any time. Now, normally in the epistles, between this kind of grace to you and peace, there's a thanksgiving element. There's a salutation, this, and then a thanksgiving. It says, uh, th- thanks to God. Who, you know, he did. <laughs> He's like, I don't have time for that. Something bad is going on in Galatia. There's trouble in River City. You know, and he's very adamant about this. He's like, there's something going on. So I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are confusing you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should proclaim to you a gospel contrary to what we have proclaimed, let that one be accursed. As we have said before, and now I repeat, if anyone proclaims to you a gospel contrary to what you received, let that one be accursed. Really harsh. Now, I have had this text used against me very often. Um, I have also used this text against other people. <laughs> and what is going on here? Um, not bad, thanks. Um, what is... Let's look at it. Verse 1. Turning to a different... The, you're turning to a different gospel, not that there is another gospel. So basically, what he's saying, like you're turning to the ungospel. You know, there's this ungospel, um, and what is the ungospel? Well, as we know of Paul's work, it's not by you know, it's not by works, but by faith alone. Or you know, it's grace. God loves us, and that's the gospel. You know. Jesus reduced it to two laws. He reduced the entire canon to two laws, or the entire rule book. Love your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and love your neighbor. Actually, the translation is more than yourself. These are the two commandments. And Paul takes those commandments and runs with them and says that anything... Anything that is not a grace-filled gospel is not the gospel at all. But it's the ungospel. And anybody that tells you that the works that you do are going to save you, they shall be accursed. <laughs> and it's really strong language. Really, really strong language. But I think he was so concerned 
that people were turning back to the old way of doing things and bounding themselves in the law once again, he needed to sound an alarm. And he just made this really harsh language. It's almost like when you receive letters from bill collectors. You know, you actually do have more than 30 days to pay. But they make it sound like you don't. You know, or these kind of, or a letter from the IRS, very strong language that normally, and I've discovered this with uh, student late, student aid or student, uh, what do they call it? I'm so, student loans, yeah, I'm so far in debt, I just forgot what the word was. Um, student loans, that if you call them up and say, I can't really pay, no, okay, you know, but it's that language. And I think that's what Paul was doing here. Um, and he's really saying it's, and he uses like not, but even if an angel from heaven should proclaim to you a gospel contrary to what we proclaim to you, let that one be accursed. It's so, and, and, and it's so much human nature that we want to deny grace. It's so much human nature that we want to deny ourselves freedom. That we can't, you know, we do it all the time. Um, when we're enjoying ourselves, maybe we're on the lake and we're having a great time and something pops into our head and says, well, maybe I should be working. You know, or you're madly in love with someone and something pops into your head and say, this is going to fall apart. There's so many times in our life that we doubt ourselves and we doubt that the freedom that we've been given and we choose then to live in chains. We choose to be not free. Um, like I said, I've been up in my my in Connecticut at my lake house, which I love saying. I'm up at my lake house. Thank you. I won't be available this week. I'm at my lake house. Um, and uh, uh, my dog, Hudson, maybe some of you met. He was up there. I'm a little, little Yorkie. Um, oh, he's right there. <laughs> Um, and uh, we'll post a picture of him online for everyone to see. And 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 Hudson, um, you know, he's so used to living by the law of our house in Brooklyn, which is he has to be leashed. He can't be in the house. He has to go outside to pee or poop. You know. So I, we take him to the cabin, and he. We take him off the leash, and he doesn't know what to do, and he holds it, and we find, I find out I've got to put the leash back on Hudson so he'll pee, and that's kind of like us. When we experience true freedom, when we experience love unconditionally, we can't believe it. We can't believe it. It's our human nature to say, oh, no, this is too good. This is too good. Where's the leash? Or we play the old tapes in our head that says, you're no good. God doesn't love you the way you are. You're no good. You're no good. You're no good. You're never going to amount to anything. We just keep playing those tapes, and we keep the leash around our neck. And Paul is saying that the gospel is not, the gospel is take off the leash. You're free. Poop wherever you want. (laughs) You know, meaning be yourself. Be yourself. Let it go. Be who you are. You know, and now now we can't stop Hudson from pooping. He's fine. He totally gets it. Um, so this, I think, is 
this ungospel that Paul's talking about. We move on to verse 10 here, and he says, Am I now seeking human approval or God's approval? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still pleasing people, I would not be a servant of Christ. I don't know how many times we get letters to revolution saying, all you're doing is trying to make people happy. All you're trying to do is give people a license to sin so they can do whatever they want and be free. You're not really following the gospel. All you're doing is, you know, you're just preaching a happy gospel. Like, well, it is a happy gospel. It is good news. And I love here that he asked the question to himself, am I seeking human approval or God's approval? I would say the answer to that rhetorical question is yes. I would say that what we seek as Christians is the approval of the divine in the individual. And we seek to approve the divine in every individual. We seek to affirm your holiness, your sacredness, your beauty. Is that pleasing you? I hope it pleases you. (laughs) But our intent is not to please, to gain favor, or to gain power, or to manipulate, but rather to be a servant. And I think that's what Paul's talking about in this verse. Our vision is to be a servant to the Christ in each of us. And when we do that, something happens. Something happens. We elevate. And we become something more than a dog on a leash. Um, So continuing here, um, Paul still now in the next verses spends some more time vindicating his apostleship. Verse 11, For I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel that was proclaimed by me is not of human origin. For I did not receive it from a human source, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. You get in a lot of trouble when you say things like this. Because Christians do not want you to receive revelations anymore. When Jay went on Larry King and he said the words that will forever haunt him, he said, God told me that homosexuality is not a sin. People still write us about that, saying, you know, one, yes, it is. You know, even though we say, no, it isn't. And how dare you claim revelation? How dare you claim that God talked to you? How dare you claim that that there might actually be a living God? Actually, is what they're saying. That's what I think they're saying. How dare you claim that revelation did not stop 2,000 years ago? You know, did not stop when the canon was finished. Revelation is still happening. You know, now it's a scary point because on the one hand, 
a lot of people receive revelations, you know, like about the end of the world and can use those for manipulation. But I do think that as Christians, we have to be open to the fact that the Spirit is still working and that God, or at least our relationship and how we interpret God, changes. And that's maybe what revelation is. Revelation is so much not God telling us something new, but us understanding that God is saying something that he's been saying all along, but just now is the time that we can get it. Um, And so much debate happens in the church about, well, whose authority do you come by and this, that, and the other, and and when people claim new ideas or want to push the church in a new direction and want to open up the church to accept more people and love more people and learn to love better, I mean, isn't that really the function of the church or what the church should be? The church should be a place where we learn to love well, period. That should be the place where we do it. And to me, that's the gospel. And so often we get in these backbiting fights like saying, well, no, it's really this or this, and if we have to go all the way back at this and that and that and To me, I don't know, I had the idea today that how about if we started viewing religion like we view art and music and philosophy and poetry and writings? You know, those things can open us up and give God's grace. You know, how many people here, I'm sure everyone has seen a movie in their life where they felt that the divine God spoke to them through that movie. You know, or that movie changed their life and saved them in some way, or the, or a piece of work opened you up to a whole new way of thinking. Um, and my concern is that when we t- when we talk about that, like there's not too many times when I say, "Oh, I saw this great painting and it really changed my life." There's not too many people that will say, "Really, that painting? Gross." I can't believe that that painting would change your life. That's just wrong. In fact, you're going to hell because I don't like that painting. But that's what happens in the church all the time. You know, we have an interpretation of a scripture and people will say, how can you dare do that? How can you dare say that? People don't act that way about music and books and art. Maybe if we can open ourselves up just a little bit more and view our religion, you know, view our religious discussions like music and poetry and maybe that more meaning will come from that just a thought Um, Paul continues 13 you have heard no doubt of my earlier life in Judaism I was violently persecuting the church of God and was trying to destroy it I advanced in Judaism beyond many, beyond many among my people of the same age, for I was far more zealous for the traditions of my ancestors. That's the key phrase right there. I was far more zealous for the, Christ, the traditions of my ancestors. And you could easily, easily, easily change this verse for the modern day and say, you have heard no doubt of my early life in the evangelical church. I was violently persecuting Revolution NYC and was trying hard to destroy it. 
advanced in evangelical Christianity beyond many among people of my same age. For I was far more zealous for the traditions of my ancestors. Um, I wrote a song that's really that was based, inspired by this verse. Um, and I wish I had my piano, but I'll say some of the lyrics for you. Um, it's called Guilty. Um, and the lyrics go like this. I feel like a beat poet right now, but we'll try it. If there's a heaven... I don't want to go if the people I love aren't going to be there. And if there's a hell and my friends are there, I'll bring the water. Apostle Peter became hungry and a sheet came down from heaven. Many animals. And God said, take and eat. I made them for you. Lord, I want to be guilty. Find me guilty. Guilty of love. And Jesus picked the wheat. And the Pharisees said, you break the Sabbath. And Jesus said, it's not the law I break, but your traditions and your conventions. Lord, I want to be guilty. Guilty of love. And I want to travel. I want to travel to the biblical land of Sodom and Gomorrah and learn the lesson that you die alone if you don't love your neighbor. And if I say I love you because I think my reward will be great in heaven, then I hate you. And I'll walk the earth like Cain in exile. For I was far more zealous for the traditions of my ancestors. And how often in religious context, in Christian context, does it get in the way that we become so zealous for the way things have been done? And I'm not talking just about the conservative background. I'm talking about liberals too. You know, that there's something there that says like, the traditions and who, what are these traditions and the danger I think is that so often we elevate the traditions to a point that, that the tradition become God and traditions aren't God traditions can help us get there maybe they can also hinder us and I think that when we elevate tradition or elevate this concept of tradition, it becomes so ambiguous and so ethereal that we don't even know what we're talking about anymore. And we lose the message of love. We lose the message of loving one another. Um, and I think we get so distracted. Like, like regardless of your political affiliation, um, I was really struck by Clint Eastwood's speech at the... Republican National Convention. We all know this. The I've actually got a prop. Um, he 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 talked to an empty chair, the invisible Obama. And I think a lot of Christians talk to an empty chair. 
I think a lot of Christians talk to an abstract idea of what they think Christianity is. And they think that that is God. And they talk to the empty chair. And that is not Christianity. Christianity says, put somebody in the chair. And look at their eyes and love them. Don't come up with the, I don't want your abstract ideas. I don't want that. I want somebody in the chair. It's a relational religion, people. This is what it is. It's about being in relationship with one another and loving one another and saying, love one another. That's all. That's it. How many times do we have to say it? Put somebody in the chair. Um, Paul continues, verse 15, When God who had set me apart before I was born and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me so that I might proclaim him among the Gentiles. I did not confer with any human being, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were already apostles before me, but I went away at once into Arabia, and afterwards I returned to Damascus. We're all set apart. Verse 15. Set me apart before I was born and called me through his grace. That does not only apply to the Apostle Paul. That applies to everyone in this room. I want you to know today that you were all set apart. And you were all called through God's grace. To reveal Christ to one another. Whether you're. Greek or Jew or male or female or atheist or Christian. We're all called to reveal the divinity of humanity to one another. And we all have been set apart to do that. Whatever your job is, that's what you've been called to do. And you know in your heart, you don't need to go to Jerusalem. To get instructions of what that is. You don't need to go to the Senate offices. You don't need um, to have somebody tell you what it is. You know what God has set you apart to do. You've got it in your heart. Now hopefully this community can help you discern that if you're having troubles. But you've got a burning the fire in the belly. (laughs) We've all got something that we know exactly what God has set us apart to do. And sometimes to get there, we have to go away at once. And I encourage you, if you're struggling with where you think God wants you in life or where you want to be in life or where you, if, if you feel like you're on the wrong track, I encourage you to leave for a little bit <laughs> and take a retreat. Go away at once and find out what the promise is. Paul continues, verse verse 18, Then after three years I did go up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and stayed with him for 15 days. But I did not see any other apostle except James the Lord's brother. In what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown by sight to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. 
they only heard it said, the one who formerly was persecuting us is now proclaiming the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. I love that verse. Because no matter where you're coming from, no matter where you've been, not only do you have new life, but your story is your story. You know, Paul, at the end of this first chapter, says, and they know me because I was formerly persecuting them. And they glorified God because of this. He didn't divorce himself from his story. He could have easily said, oh, I don't talk about my past anymore. But our past is our story. Not only in our past, but our story is our future as well. And to be honest, our story is all we got. And this is why Paul spends so much time at the beginning telling his personal narrative to these people that he cared about. And he was concerned that they were putting the leash back on themselves, that they were living by the law again. And he's like, no, you're free, you're free, you're free. God loves you as you are. Be free. Follow your own story. Know that you've been set apart, that God has a promise for you. Um, and that's my prayer. Um, I encourage you to, to go home and read this chapter for yourself and read the whole book. It's a good read. It's a good one. Um, and study on your own and see this is my interpretation. This is what I got out of it. And that's why I'm doing it, even though it's been preached maybe four times here at Revolution. Because um, that's the kind of relationship I want with it's my, it's our family album, really. If you look at the Bible that way, it's our family album. You know, and as you look at a family album, and you look through pictures, and you realize, oh, that that guy kind of looks like me. Maybe there's somebody in this book that kind of looks like you, and their story is somewhat similar to your story. And I encourage you to take that. Um, so that's it for today. Um, right now, we're going to pass around the offering. Um, it's been a hard time here at Revolution. Summertime is always hard. Uh, we're barely paying rent, let alone um, salaries. I don't even remember what that is, actually, a salary. Um, but if you consider this your church, um, we do really encourage you to, um, to tithe a little bit, just so that we can keep meeting here and keep doing this. Um, and we do hope that it's your church and that you view it that way. Um, and uh, so that's the one thing. Um, see, I don't, I'm not wearing a hat today, which is really odd. Um, oh, you got a hat. Okay. Deacon Eric will pass around <laughs> his hat. And uh, um, let's, uh, let's pray while, while we're doing that. Um, Lord, thank you for your cantankerous brother, Paul, um, who crudely and harshly defends 
the grace that you gave us. Let us not be shackled by our own chains, but know that we've been set free. Um, And help us to just live in that freedom and do everything we can to help others also experience that freedom. Um, We pray this in your son's name. Amen.